exciting day in smartphones today. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, sort of a surprise announcement, surprise launch of the new Pixel device that's been rumored for so long. It has missed so many launches mm-hmm. and p- potential dates, but I think it's okay. And I'll tell you why I think it's okay, because I believe as a consequence of the delays, they were able to see what happened in the marketplace and make some adjustments. Mm -hmm. Now, those adjustments may not have taken place in the construction of the device. Those those, uh, changes may have not taken place in the software of the device. But those changes really took place in the price of the device. Yep. Because you get to see what other, you get to see first of all what other manufacturers have done. And then you also get to see what's going on in the world. And we know there's a lot of things going on in the world make people nervous about spending a a ton, a boatload of money on a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And so you get the Pixel 4a with a 349 price tag. 349 USD. It looks like 479 uh, Canadian, Mm -hmm. which. This is, uh, for a Pixel device, is it the cheapest ever? It's $50 cheaper than the A device last year. It's obviously substantially cheaper than the regular Pixel 4. Mm -hmm. Most exciting piece, well, two, two exciting pieces here. Outside of the price. Price is the most exciting piece. Camera, taken from the Pixel 4, my favorite camera. Arguably my favorite camera. Is it the best camera? That's up to you. Uh, there is no best camera. It depends on the attributes that speak to you. There are better cameras and worse cameras. We have the Samsung cameras at the flagship level, benefits and drawbacks. We have the iPhone cameras at the flagship level, benefits and drawbacks. And we also have the Pixel cameras, which the aesthetic is just appealing to me. High contrast, very detailed. Kind of like natural. You think natural. See, some people think a bit surreal. A bit surreal. Yeah, just because... There can be they can be a bit more contrasty than real life. Some that's true. But again, it's your interpretation yeah, of, of real life. See, I I see that as a sort certain kind of pop. Yes. Whereas I can see certain iPhone photos as muted, particularly in the skin tones. With my skin tone, for whatever reason, it makes it sometimes it just flattens me out a little bit too much. I I like to see the contrast and the detail. But of course, it's so much of it that's happening on the software side. And with the Pixel cameras, you're getting the stock Google camera app and all of its advantages and updates as they come out. And that's a real move at 349. Do I need to say it again? 349. Mm. We're not used to that. 349 in the Android world has almost always meant a compromise in the camera department. Almost always. So anyways, the first one is the camera. The second one is battery. Battery has been a thing plaguing Pixel phones for a really long time. Uh, they, they just haven't been great performers in that area. I've seen a number of tests putting sort of a moderate to heavy use on the Pixel 4 and clocking, you know, 10 hours or something like this. And the initial feedback on the new 4A is closer to 20 on the same type of behavior. Now, you take a step back on the chip, you're in the 700 series from Qualcomm. Some other specs here worth going over. Six gigs of RAM, 128 storage. Not a lot of options. It's one model. Come and get your one model, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. But get it for 349 The uh, battery, the, the charging, 18-watt 
fast charging. Not the fastest in the game. Not going to win any world records over there. Uh, they kept the audio jack, which some people are very excited about. You can still plug in a standard set of headphones. Now, I realize at this point, you're sitting there saying, Lou, why are you telling me about this on Lou later? Where's your unboxing video for this? Mm. And uh, the there's a holdup at the border. You told me this this morning. Yeah. Uh, the the U.S. Canada border. Uh, Trump is standing Those there. Pesky borders. He's standing at the Niagara Falls uh, uh, border crossing. What is that? Freedom Bridge, Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. And he's blocking. He's currently blocking our shipment. Physically, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm joking. Relax, but there's a holdup at the border. It's it should be here tomorrow. So uh, yes, I'm gonna have a video on this. Yes, I'm gonna evaluate it. But from where I'm sitting, this gets me excited, and it's 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 become it's really strange, Will. And I've told you this a number of times, and I'm sure people on the air have heard me say this. The feature, the 2020 feature in smartphones, is price. Price is a feature, mm -hmm. and the reason I'm saying that is because they're all so good. And yep. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to use a 349. There's so many that we have options now at every price point that I think in my pocket would be satisfactory. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be my phone. I'm not saying it's going to replace whatever flagship it is that I want to use. But what I am saying to you, Will, is I could put this 4A in my pocket tomorrow and my life goes on almost the same mm -hmm. because of that camera performance and the battery life. Those are the two, those are the two things for me where you see a big difference in phones. And there's, there's the performance piece, but I'm doing less gaming on there and things like this. Right. You give me a camera, you give me the decent performance. Oh, I should also say, you are taking a step back in the refresh rate on the display. That might, that might drive me nuts. Hmm. We, we'll wait and see. But again, let's adjust our expectations at 349. You got to give up, give up something. Mm -hmm. But you're getting that factory, fresh, Android, the way Google intended... The hottest, fastest updates. It's a plastic shell. And okay. Only one color. One color. Hmm. Uh, they did announce, though, Will, there's going to be a 5G version of this for $500 US coming shortly. And they also announced a Pixel 5. Right. They announced some details around the Pixel all 5. All in 2020. Yeah, all in 2020. So just there's going to be options for you. I know you're a Pixel guy. Yes. You've been on the Pixels. You just recently switched to the Samsung. For no reason. For no, Just because, you know, there are these Maybe things. Maybe for the refresh rate, but. There's things around here. Uh, phones that are you can switch to. I don't blame you. you but I'm, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to switch back to the 4A. Easy there. <laughs> Try to contain your excitement. Mainly Be for the feature of screen call. Oh, right. You wanted to talk Very about cool. this. Okay. I mean, I just wanted to say that. I know. You were telling me I had to talk about this. So do you want to explain this to the people since this is your flagship feature here? Well, Google allows you to uh, be able to transcribe whoever's calling you in text live. So if someone calls you, you get uh, pretty much a message saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm calling at UPS or something. And then you have options to actually say I'm going to call you back or like I'm going to hang up or I'm going to actually take this call. Right. So it's kind of acting like It's an artificial you. It's an artificial Willie do. Yeah. Working Which on your is behalf. Super useful. But you see that's a software feature. Is that something that can't ever roll out to other Android devices? No, no. It's yeah, only yeah, going it could, but right? It's but exclusive for exclusive to Pixel. Right now it's on Pixel. Yes. Wow.
anyway, yeah, so there are advantages from a software perspective to being on a Google flagship hardware. You, these types of experimental features, uh, you're just going to get to mess with them first. And so there's something exciting about that. But you see, what's crazy about this release is here, you're a guy on a much more expensive phone. You have an S20 right now. Yes. And you're excited to switch to a 349 phone. Because of one feature. No, but also the camera and everything. It's sure. not, it's not yeah. one. It's You had the Pixel 4 regular size. No. I, uh, oh, I the three. three. You had a three, and then did you? You never used no. any. You're gonna be going from a three to an S20 back to a four A. Yes. I'm excited for this. I, I believe that you'll put it in your pocket. You'll use it. You're gonna give us like, some great feedback here on this show. Mm. What you think about it? But I'll tell you, man. Just looking at the photos, those photos of Otis on the Pixel, those are something. Oh yeah. Uh, Ot I don't know if Otis ever looked better than he looked on the <laughs> Pixel. Pixel three, I'm talking about. Well, now, I'm what I really wish. I'll just say right now, what I really wish is that the software, Google's camera software, was more ubiquitous and available on other phones. So we had more options for improving the camera performance. Mm. Often it's the software holding things back. I feel that way. That's probably likely with the OnePlus Nord and others where people have uh, referenced not liking the camera. A lot of it has to do with the software mm -hmm. because it's, it's been incredible what Google's been able to do uh, with this variety of hardware mm -hmm. that keeps popping up in these different devices and still getting these these results because of how sophisticated the software is. Now, again, it's to everybody's taste. People are screaming right now. Why is Louis, uh he's just sitting here massaging Google. Mm. And no, look, there's going to be drawbacks. It's going to be a plastic phone. I'm just saying, for my taste, the pixel look on the camera in the software... I just feel like I can point at anything and it looks good. Mm. Really. Whether it's accurate or realistic, I can point at anything and it looks good. Uh, Apple has removed a large number of applications from the China App Store. And this is very controversial, Will. You may look at that and say, hey, that's no big deal. You may look at that and say, doesn't that happen all the time? The reason it's controversial is because people, you know, the sentiment that the sentiment around China right now in the US, it's actually never been lower. It's, it's at a low point right now. Actually, we're gonna talk about it in an upcoming story as well. This is something sentiment that's actually studied where they're able to determine through analysis how just how the public's feeling about a particular foreign relationship. In the US, it's at a low point right now. Mm -hmm. So when you see one of the flagship US brands like Apple uh, interact with China in this type of way, people start to say, hey, why are you making your decisions based on the requirements, restrictions, or... Now, to just play the other side of it, there are regulatory bodies in any single place you want to do business, any country. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to modify your behavior in those places. Now, if those places align politically with the United States, it's less of a big deal. Right. But you start to make these compromises in places that don't politically align, and then people start to ask questions. So 30,000 apps, most of them games, uh, were removed from the Chinese version of the Apple App Store. That's, that's uh, yeah, 90%. 2,500 additional apps that weren't games were removed from the China App Store the first week of July. And apparently, there was a restriction put in place uh, that, that essentially required an official license from Chinese regulators in order for an app to do business 
in that region. And most of the restriction was around how the app treated payments. They wanted to, to, to follow a particular protocol. Do we know why? We're not, in, we're not sitting there in government. We don't have any fancy outfit on. We don't know exactly why that's important, but we do know that there's a certain amount of control that the government likes to have over there. Mm -hmm. Certain amount of control. Every government likes to have some control, but there's a certain amount of control, then there's a certain amount of control. Yes. If you understand what I'm saying. So um, we don't know exactly what it, if, if we don't know if these apps are going to find a way around it. We don't know if they can uh, meet the protocol and then come back online. But what we do know is Apple's taking heat for just, okay, whatever you say. These are apps that were okay one day, and then the next, and then the next day over, they bent. That's the way it's being perceived that they're bending to the Chinese rule. Mm -hmm. And so some people are saying, you know what, Apple, we don't like this. It's a, a boycott. You know, they're saying, you know what, Apple, you should get out of China like everybody else. Mm. It's a, to be honest with you, it's a fair point. You don't have the Google Play Store there. Mm. You don't have, uh, you know, Facebook is not doing business there. Google is not doing business there. So some people feel, hey, why is Apple the one that gets the pass and they're doing this business over there and and they've, they're modifying this app store to be suitable for that marketplace, a marketplace where, as I mentioned before, sentiment is at an all-time low or at least a, a recent low. There's been increasing government pressure on Apple to comply with these regulations that have actually been in place since 2016. But I'm telling you, Will, even if you read the comments here on the, on the Mac rumors, you got lots of people, uh, talk, China talk saying st stop doing business over there or talking about the political situation over there. Mm. I'm not telling you where to land. I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just showing you what's out there in the world right now. And it's a it's a tough spot for Apple to be in because there's a few dollars there, Will. Mm -hmm. It's a few dollars on the line and they've been doing well in China. Mm -hmm. We just reported with the exception of Huawei, they're the only company to, that actually grew mm -hmm. in the last quarter. So they don't want to give that up over, uh, what, uh, measly 30,000 apps? What are these apps, random games anyways? Get rid of them. I mean, you might be upset if you're one of those app developers. <laughs> but anyways, uh, you tell me in the comments how you feel about it. Is that cool? Are you cool with Apple doing that? Or do you feel that they should uh, put up a fight and, and make, make their own rules? I don't know what you think they're going to do. Sony is explaining how PS4 accessories will work on the PS5. This is actually not something that I was thinking about, but it does make sense. You have backwards compatibility for games. Should you have backwards compatibility for hardware? I have, God, I probably have 20 PlayStation controllers at my house. Yeah. Over the years, just accumulating. They get beat up, but they're hanging around. Yeah. And so Sony has, has explained that they're going to be all right. They will, those DualShock 4 controllers will work, but they'll work on the old titles, which is a really weird thing to wrap your head around that. Those controllers will only be useful to you for the old titles. And you pick up a new title, which has the features associated with this uh, new controller. What do they call the new one? Would it be the Dual Sense, Dual Dual Shock Five? Do they have a name for it yet? Uh, I thought it was Dual Sense. Dual Sense. Completely wrong. Is that in the headline? Dual Sense. Let's let's make sure we have the right name of their new. Yes, Dual Sense controller. You're right, Will. I see it in the article right here. You know, how, how can you keep it all together? Dual shock, dual sense. Or are, we, are we getting tools. shocked or are we sensing? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're sensing one. because this one has far more variety in the haptics, as we learned in Jeff Keeley's video. 
that this one is going to be more sophisticated. It's not just shock, but it's little minor vibrations and way more motors to create a sensory experience. You feel sand. You will feel sand, <laughs> which is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Never mind the, the uh, what do they call them? A level? What, what is a, uh, what's a high level title? A, they don't say A list. A grade. AAA. What? Triple A. Triple A, like beef. They use that for beef too. Triple A grade. Tri yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they use it for beef okay. and video games. You decide how you want to rank it. Triple A title. <laughs> I don't care about triple A titles. What I care about is feeling sand on my controller. Then I go to bed. Yeah, exactly. That's all I need. Anyway, so yes, the DualShock 4 controller will only work with the old titles. After that, new technologies and features offered by the DualSense controller, such as adaptive triggers and their haptic feedback, uh, will those controllers will be required for the newer titles, which enable those features. But e even third-party stuff that was certified to be used on the PS4, so controllers from Razer and, and, and others, they will also likely work. Sony's not saying for sure, but they'll likely work in the same fashion as well on the PS4 titles. And then the other piece is the PSVR headset. So a lot of people forget PlayStation had VR. Yeah. I don't think it was the most popular thing in the world, but it's actually pretty kind of cool. I played around with it every so often. The PSVR headset, including the camera, the move wands, and the gun-shaped uh, aim controller are going to work with the PS5. The camera is going to require an adapter, but Sony promises it will be available free of charge. I When do you ever get anything free of charge? Who do you, What do you do? You send an email... How do you get it free of charge? I'm really curious about this. They, they didn't give the full details. They're going to be announced later. But if you have a PSVR, you better be hitting up Sony because they're about to hit you with the free of charge adapter. That's great. Sony never gave me anything for free, so I say go for it. Apple is now the world's most valuable publicly traded company. It's now larger than Saudi Arabia's state-owned oil company, which is Aramco. And they came up on a recent episode because we were talking about trillions. Talking about big companies, we started in the billions, we went to the trillions. They're one of those trillion-type companies. Mm -hmm. Apple as well. And depending on what's going on in the stock market on any given day, you're going to maybe flip-flop on the world's most valuable company. But as you see, Apple, well, they're doing all right, Will. You know what they're selling? They're selling phones, of course. But actually, some of the surprise sales here that have led to investor excitement in the midst of a global pandemic have to do with iPads and, and Macs. Imagine that. As the people, they stay at home, they're trapped at home. They got to do the work at home. They got to do the school at home. And so what do they do? They say, it's time for a new laptop or it's time for an iPad. Not the uh, Mac Pro wheels. They probably got to get a set of those yeah. too. They, a little bit. Uh, Maybe if they broke that out in the analyst call, we would actually find out they probably put the wheels under the Mac heading and really uh, all yeah. of the big numbers are just the wheels. So we got to read into it a little further to figure that out. And, and you just put that on the shelf, create your own little museum over there. The Mac Pro, the world famous Mac Pro wheels. Uh, so anyway, they became, the, it was actually Friday, that they became the world's most valuable when the stock was at $425. It gave uh, a market valuation of $1.84 trillion for Apple. The number's higher now, whatever you were looking at. I think it was above $425, right? It was $436 US. So it's even, they're even, they just extended that lead even further. 
Aramco sitting at 1.76 trillion in uh, as far as the market valuations concerned. Apple's total revenue for Q3 hit 59.7 billion. That was up 11% from last year. Up at a time like this. Strong Mac and iPad sales were a highlight. And uh, the company saw probably saw increased demand for those devices because people are sitting around at home. Man, they're chilling. Um, other companies, by the way, other tech companies are also crushing it, as you're well aware, including Amazon and Facebook. Amazon doubled its profit during the pandemic. Hmm. And Facebook's daily user increases up 12%. So what have we learned? Tech companies don't care about lockdowns. The big tech companies actually might do better with you sitting on your butt. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Conspiracy theory. Who's behind this thing after all? I'm not saying that. I'm just joking. I'm just having a time. Relax. Netflix is letting people watch things faster or slower with the new playback speed controls. This I didn't know this, but this feature didn't exist on Netflix to control the speed of playback like it does on YouTube. You know, you could watch YouTube video. I, some people watch Lou later. I'll just let you know right now. At oh, two times like the a, speed. Like a constant rate. Yeah, a mm-hmm. constant 2x or 1.5, I think, is more common. Mm-hmm. People want to condense the information. You may listen to a podcast at 1.5. Yep, uh, 1.25 on Audible. 1.25 for ebooks or uh, not ebooks, uh, audiobooks. Yep. So, a little suggestion for you if you're short on time, you want to watch the full Lou Later episode because these can uh, get a little bit lengthy when there's a lot going on in the world that we have to cover. Will it's just it's, uh, there's a job to be done, and if they get lengthy, you can condense it down by upping the playback speed mm-hmm. whatever you find suitable 1.25 whatever it might be you can do that on youtube but you couldn't do that on netflix up until now and i didn't know that i thought yeah okay that's just a regular feature now there's a good reason that you couldn't do it on netflix filmmakers don't like it will yeah of course yeah. filmmaker doesn't want you to oh yeah i got through that movie uh, twice as fast yeah and you got christopher nolan sitting there like ah how dare you this, you know, the amount of time that I spent on this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I sat there and I, I spun the camera and I, you know, I did fifty-seven takes on that. Oh yeah. And you want to zoom through it? You want to speed through it? Yep. So I understand the that it could be considered offensive, but man, it's just it's twenty twenty. People they love control. They want control. Mm-hmm. And so that's in there. And 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 I should also mention, by the way. The slowing down, not just the speeding up, a lot of content on Netflix, you have the captions. As you're aware, you have the captions on there and for uh, hearing impaired people, they can rely on those captions and the captions can move faster depending on the scene than you might be able to read it. So being able to slow it down is actually a big feature that they've been asking for for a really long time. So slowing down is another thing that's on there. However, I think a lot of people are going to binge now at that extra speed. But you can see some examples, people upset, backlash from Hollywood's creative community, including actor Aaron Paul and director Brad Bird. They spoke out against Netflix's decision to introduce these playback controls. Director Judd Apatow tweeted in October, distributors don't get to change the way the content is presented. One thing that Netflix did to appease these critics is... They made it so that you have to set the playback speed every time you launch a new piece of content. So it, it doesn't sit at your, right. at your def- like it doesn't become your default if you go to 1.25 or whatever. But how, how long does it take? To it doesn't take it? you long, yeah. but 
the content creators were concerned you would just go almost like on a system level, set it to 1.25 and yeah. never watch anything it. at the right yeah. speed. But it's just hard, you know, these days mm -hmm. to really put up a fight against how consumers want to consume things. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. This article cites Christopher Nolan, who's been waiting to put out this Tenet movie. It has to be in a movie theater. He does not want this digital release. And who knows when it'll happen. So I respect the purists in the game that will want to control certain aspects of your experience. Because ultimately, it does play out well. Even for myself, I don't get to the movie theater even pre-COVID. But when I would, and I'd have the experience, I'd be like, that was great. Mm -hmm. When I would do it, I would appreciate all the little nuance and the better sound and everything else. So I get where they're coming from, but it's just increasingly difficult to control people's experiences. You know how many people are on Netflix and they got the, they're on their phone too right now? They're not even watching your thing, even though you think they are. Uh -huh. Maybe if you gave them 1.25, they put their phone down. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> no. Microsoft confirms talks to buy TikTok in the U.S. And they aim to finish a deal by September 15th. September 15th, the key deal because Trump actually put a guideline on there. He said, it's got to be done in the next 45 days, I believe. Mm -hmm. Microsoft's statement on Sunday marked the company's first confirmation of talks it has held to acquire the popular social media app. Microsoft says we're the best for it because we're going to tighten tighten everything. We're going to batten down the hatches on that data. Yeah. We're going to keep it right here in the United States of America. Right? I don't know where their servers are. but Fresh American soil. Somewhere in Washington, uh, just locked down there in a vault. American TikTok data, baby. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that, that was being extracted can stay local. Trump doesn't actually sound that excited about it. He sounds, uh, at least the language politically is probably more powerful if he gets to say, ban it. I'm powerful. Ban it. China, national security. It looks better on him. It makes him look more powerful. If it's a sale, on the other hand, it might not have the same buzz to it. So I kind of get where he's coming from the wording just from a political standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, creating a what would you say, a real sort of dramatic ban. You know, there's a word ban. Yeah. It's got some heat to it. Now, apparently other investors could participate in this acquisition alongside Microsoft. The company said in a statement, uh, you might think it's weird for Microsoft to be involved with a social network. Somebody reminded me they're a part of LinkedIn. And I was like, is LinkedIn a social? I guess it is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird, a weird one because... I know, at least in the early days, it was just sort of like... Uh, Business networking? A, a resume, an online resume oh, almost. Yeah, yeah. But people have increasingly used it for networking, I suppose. Uh -huh. uh, uh, social networking. People put posts now on LinkedIn. Yep. In fact, we reported on a post from, I guess it was the VW CEO the other day. Mm -hmm. on, he said some nice things about Elon Musk and mm -hmm. Tesla. And the story actually broke on LinkedIn, which... Yeah is unusual to, to hear, uh, citing a post on LinkedIn. But people do post on LinkedIn as well. I deleted my LinkedIn account a long time ago. Oh. I just kept getting all these requests and I, was, I mean, couldn't there manage are it. some social good in LinkedIn, right? It just seems positive every time I'm on it. Oh, really? Like it's always- Well, for a guy like you, for something. a guy, for a guy I like mean, you. you know, business. Yeah, yeah. They, you're, the only thing coming at you is gonna be really positive because they're trying to get Willie Doo's attention. I mean, yeah. Which it's working is uh, there you go. It's a very special thing. 
Uh, President Trump said that he opposed the idea of Microsoft buying TikTok and he would move to ban the app in the U.S. However, uh, Microsoft's not going to give up. They're going to keep negotiating. It's a weird negotiation because they have to negotiate with ByteDance, but they also have to, at the same time, negotiate with Trump and the administration and the government. Yeah, weird. They have to satisfy all these various parties to get the deal done. Now, normally that would happen to a certain extent with any big acquisition. You're going to need certain approvals, but this one even more so because the ban is on the table and the timeline is crazy. Will, you imagine trying to come up with a $50 billion deal in 45 days? It's a lot of, it's a lot of elbow touching. Yeah. The, normally, you got to court that relationship for years. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they've been talking in the background here and there prior to this, but this has really expedited the thing. What do you got here, Will? And they have a lot of competition. Apparently, uh, this app called Triller, mm. it's a social media app. Apparently, it's like number one right now. Oh, it's blowing up. Yeah. Interesting. In the U.S.? In the U.S., yeah. And this is people migrating from TikTok? It's the same idea? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, interesting. It's like music, short clips. Well, hey, man, that's a big business right now. Is people, if people are apprehensive about TikTok, somebody's going to gobble it up. We know Facebook is trying with their Instagram reels. Yeah, so there's competition. Now, the interesting thing is Microsoft, Microsoft actually has a relationship with Facebook. They're a Facebook investor, not a huge investor, but a Facebook investor. And they work together on the Mixer deal which right. when they got rid of Mixer, they sent it to Facebook. So they have an ongoing relationship. And this, if this acquisition takes place, they could actually be in competition with each other. Oh, yeah. Where Facebook has Reels and Instagram and Facebook, and then Microsoft has uh, TikTok. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I saw that Balmer came out, and he's saying Microsoft is the best bet for this thing. They really have to campaign for this. Mm -hmm. They have to convince the public the government, and of course, ByteDance to make the deal. They're going to bring in other investors to make it a little more affordable to distribute the thing a, a tiny bit. But I don't know what happens. Honestly, you're asking me to speculate, and I don't know what happens. Hmm. We, have, uh, we have some insight here. We, have a, we can speculate, obviously. Does Microsoft make sense? Okay, probably because any of the other players that could that you could talk about have a play here or are already very powerful. Microsoft seems to have a little bit of space for a business like this. But the question really comes down to how much Trump wants to take a stand on this and what his powers actually are. Because the truth is, well, we have to determine which is the better political story, which has the better political consequence for him. Yeah, is what it, he gains out of it. Yeah, is it the story that I shut down the evil TikTok. I'm the, I'm the president who shut down evil TikTok and saved America in the, uh, the war for our data. Mm -hmm. Or is, there, is it an equally cool story to say, I moved the most, one of the fastest growing, most popular social media apps from Chinese ownership to American ownership to bring it under the American umbrella. Which I think is a better way because then you're forcing uh, younger voters to vote for you in, in a sense, right? Like you save TikTok. I use TikTok. I love TikTok. Interesting. Maybe uh, I'll give Trump a shot. Well, I, it, I don't know. Uh, no, it is cool what you said. It's pro and it's probably right. Or the other way around where, you know, if you ban TikTok, it's like, hey, I'm not voting for you. Yeah, but actually what I think you're talking about is, a, is, a, is an actual split depending mm -hmm. on demographic. 
I think the better story politically for the older age group is the simpler one. Just this was an evil app. I'm yeah. banning it. Go use Facebook or something else mm -hmm. that already exists. But for the younger crowd, it's probably what you said. I saved TikTok. You get to keep because I mean we all know TikTok skews younger. Uh, I think the majority user base is like 18 to 25. Yeah, yeah they can vote. They can absolutely vote, but will they show up to vote? Because the old people do, right? Typically yeah. more. So there's a lot of people on TikTok can be irate, but if they don't actually vote, it doesn't act, it doesn't really matter that much. So we'll we'll see what happens, but it, it it seems to be a divide on which story is the better one and what he ends up doing. But I agree with you for the record. People like the app. People use the app, even if it's not my style or for me. I'd prefer for the option to be there for people to use it. Yes. If there's a way to do that, if you can just and just modify it ever so slightly, get it in the States, get the data in the States. Sure, why would you want to kill it if it's mm -hmm. successful? Mm -hmm. So there's got to be somebody upset with it. I know people watching this are going to be mad. They're going to be saying, no, RIP, rip TikTok, I'm over it. They, this is what they deserve, people cringe. Like burn things. Cringe, I see the yeah. comments, right? But to each their own, Will, I'm over here on YouTube. I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad that it's an option. I'm not trying to kill everything that everybody does. You do, you do what you got to do. Yep choice iphone 12 delay could see two-stage launch says supply chain report we talked i think on the last episode about how apple just wrote off the idea of this iphone 12 showing up in september like it normally would they said it's going to be a few weeks after that so that puts us into october that's the your initial indication that there's a supply chain issue mm -hmm. And there would be an issue because of the global landscape at the moment and the pause that took place and the shutdowns that took place. But the new news here is that what we could be looking at is actually a two-stage launch. So we could see certain models pop up before the others. And this has happened in the past, iPhone 8, iPhone 10. We had to wait a little longer for the iPhone 10 production. What's weird about this supply chain report is it puts... The 6.1 inch models first, and then the two 6.7s and the 5.4 inch devices second. Hmm. So this is what this would mean. And this is why I'm a bit skeptical because this would be a very odd release structure. You would have the iPhone 12 standard, I guess they call it, Max, iPhone 12 Max, non-pro regular, is the 6.1-inch model, the bigger iPhone 12, and then you would have the smaller iPhone 12 Pro. You following me here? No. Yeah, neither am I. You'd have the two 6.1-inch models, one pro, one non, but the really big phone and the really small phone huh. will be left out. That's the way to think. Because we, I don't know what they're going to do with the whole Max thing and all the rest of it. So the mm -hmm. 5.4 that's we've all been talking about that I made the video about on Unbox Therapy. I even showed off on this phone here or on this phone, on this show. Remember the 5.4? It looks like an iPhone SE 2. Yeah, super small. Yeah, that would be delayed till later. And the really big one, 6.7, that's so popular right now, that would also be delayed. So I'm a bit skeptical hmm. that this will happen, but the reason for the report is because the PCB makers in the supply chain have have already seen shipments for 
these components that would go into the 6.1 inch where they're seeing the delay on the other ones. Mm. So Apple's in a position to either potentially delay the whole thing or give people something first. And they could do it in such a way where, where they host the event and they say, okay, here's all the things we put out. And then just say, these ones are shipping then, these ones are shipping then. Mm. As opposed to making it a big deal that there's a difference in ship dates. What do you, how do you feel about that? Would you rather them get out what they can get out early or would you rather them wait for the whole the whole set of options to be available uh, as a potential customer? It seems like for Apple, they would like to showcase everything, present everything as a whole and then they can just get it, like the audience or the consumer can just get it. I think that would be more wise. You want it all at once? one one whole thing one whole thing but also availability one whole thing yeah so you would wait you would put off see the only issue with that is if you have to put it off too far if you get too yeah. close to christmas it has to be it's a it becomes months? yeah it know. becomes a real problem yeah. if you get too close to christmas for their uh, uh well i mean they've got historical numbers to showcase why it's important to be as close to september as possible mm -hmm. the uh the customer base is conditioned to look for those new devices yeah, exactly. at that moment. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough one to figure out, but it, it's at least a possibility now that we could see it in two, two separate release schedules. I want to ask the audience here, first of all, maybe the same question that I just asked you, but also, which of the new iPhones are you most interested in? Is it going to be the really small one, the 5.4. Are you excited about the potential for maybe what we had hoped the iPhone SE would be? The entry level, lowest price point, but also smallest size. Is it the 6.1 inch, the middle size, or is it the really big 6.7 inch? I'm curious which, which one the fans pick. Elon Musk put out a quote that's got some people talking, some people stirring. That's nothing new. That's what Elon Musk does. I don't know if you're aware of that. He said, China rocks, exclamation point. Which not a lot of people in the U.S. are saying right now, as we've been talking about on this show. China rocks. And the U.S. not so much. <laughs> Here's the exact quote. China rocks, in my opinion. The energy in China is great. There's like a lot of smart, hardworking people. And they're really, they're not entitled. They're not complacent. So... And, okay, first of all, I understand this is maybe not the most popular opinion in the U.S. Actually, I believe this interview gives us our uh, our data. Yes, correct. Unfavorability toward the country is at its highest level since Gallup and the Pew Research Center began recording such data in 1970, in the 1970s. So they gather data on sentiment, American sentiment for China, and we're at some record lows right now so it's fair to say that this is not the most popular position that elon is taking here i think before we go any deeper into this subject it's important to note that he has partnerships in china he has a gigafactory in china he sells teslas in china mm -hmm. very important stuff we can't uh, he's also done presentations on artificial intelligence in china mm -hmm. he also talks about spacex in china so we can't leave that piece off but then we can move into the next piece, which is the criticism. He says, I see in the United States increasingly much more complacency and entitlement, especially in places like the Bay Area and L.A. and New York, pointing to the two states that have helped boost his business. It's important to note the same states he's saying are complacent and 
entitled are the hot spots for purchasing Teslas. Like, mm-hmm. You don't want to alienate your customer base, but I suppose it's possible that the two things could exist in tandem. You could be a Tesla customer and also be entitled. It's not impossible. <laughs> you also sure. He also may be talking about the really recent history. He may be saying this is a relatively recent development, but I will at least go with him in the sense that things are happening in China. There's a certain energy in China. I feel that. I've been there and had a, a similar experience. There is a lot of activity. Now, I was in Shenzhen, and that's sort of the hot spot for, and this was a little while ago. It's important to note, this was before COVID and all that. But, I mean, everybody was, everything is a startup. Everybody is making something. Yeah, they're producing. Everybody is involved with some industry over here, and there's just so much stuff being made. Mm. At the lowest level, the smallest operation all the way up to the biggest operation, there's an, a kind of an electricity to the idea that of things being made, mm-hmm. of a maker kind of society. And that's at least where I was in China. That's the vibe that I got. And I think that's probably what he's speaking to. Now, granted, did he speak about it the right way? Are people going to be happy about that? I, I don't really know. But he's he's also a guy who like I said, has a vested interest in China rocking if it means more Teslas or more plants or more factories. But you could uh, wage the same argument here that people were suggesting against Apple, saying you're complying with this uh, po- political stance that we don't agree with, right? In, in, in the sense that he has complied with China's rules in order to do business there. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't seem too political. I guess what this quote, at least the way that I see it, it's like the hardworking everyday people, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that's just what it is. Maybe he's just expressing like China's hardworking. Right. He could be talking about the average citizen instead of the, instead of the political structure. Yes. It's totally possible. Uh, you know, the way I look at it, I, I, I often try, you know, you try to see both sides yeah. and you try to go down the middle and, and there are advantages and disadvantages. I, I agree that people, are, it's a very hardworking environment. Absolutely. Yeah. There are good things about the United States. There's good things about China. Mm-hmm. That's just being honest. Yeah. That's just seeing it as best you can, trying to see both sides. Uh, no place is perfect. And um, I'm, I totally understand the apprehension around doing business in China as well. Yeah. Which is the opposite sentiment of his. So nonetheless, he's making news with his tweets and his interviews. And Elon is just hot right now. It seems anything he says, he could say that his, his stock is too hot. People invest in it more. He could say his cars are too expensive. People buy them more. He could say... Uh, Space is too far. People become more interested in SpaceX. The internet doesn't reach far enough. Humans are not smart enough. They need Neuralink. It doesn't seem to matter. People are on the Elon Musk train, and I don't blame him because he's another example of that. He's a guy getting things done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You You can't argue that. No. You cannot argue whether or not he's getting things done. Samsung crafts India comeback as anti-China wave surges. So it's obviously hard to get away from this topic, but in India it's it's even at another it's even in another place from what it is in the US. We talked about how 
the uh, that little conflict that's been brewing there between the two nations has had an impact on companies like Xiaomi and Oppo, who have been absolutely absolutely dominant in India. And Samsung, on the other hand, has sort of taken a little bit of time to figure out that market. They were number one at one point. They have rapidly moved operations there. In fact, in this particular article, they claim to have made their biggest factory recently outside of New Delhi. And they've launched a new range of budget devices. And it's a bunch of new budget options to, to... uh, come after parts of the marketplace where they may, may not be may may not have had previous success. The, the the areas that are most competitive from a Xiaomi and Oppo standpoint, uh, we have some info. We have some details here. Samsung jumped to the number two spot with twenty six percent market share in the second quarter, behind Xiaomi's twenty nine percent. This is coming via Counterpoint data. This is up from about 16% in the previous quarter. So we're talking about some raw market share stuff here. Now, Samsung has been near the top of, of global smartphone makers, if not the top position up until recently when Huawei gr- gripped it yeah. for a short period of time, probably will be short-lived. India is its second biggest market, $7.5 billion in annual retail smartphone revenues, which... Uh, it, it makes it second only to the U.S. for Samsung. Big, big market. It's built what it has described as the world's largest mobile phone manufacturing plant on the outskirts of New Delhi. It's testing and assembling devices. We know the advantage to doing that domestically. You can offer your products cheaper with fewer tariffs from the local government. Huge incentives to do that. Uh, Samsung has launched seven new smartphones since June, three of them under 10,000 rupees, which is 133 bucks, Will. And the cheapest Android offering seventy five bucks. So these are some these are some moves offering up these selections. Now it's important to note the name Samsung. It's got some cachet to it. It's been a premium smartphone maker for a really long time. It's a South Korean brand, and outside of Apple, it's got very high sentiment in India. And one of the apprehensions, or uh, not uh, cost cost prohibitiveness has been just the main issue. It's people like Samsung, but there's been, most of the options have been at the higher price points. Right. And that has allowed companies like Xiaomi and Oppo to just slide right in there and say, this is your value for money proposition. Also through the sub brands, the Realme's and Redmi's and all the rest of it. Samsung appears to have recognized this and said, oh, we can make those more affordable devices as well. And we can compete there as well. And they're starting to uh, reap the benefits of that and, and acquire more market share because of it. It's a, it's a good move. In May, Samsung partnered with Facebook to train 200,000 brick-and-mortar stores, which, by the way, Will, still a big way in which people consume smartphones in India, uh, to use social media for sales and mar- marketing. It has also launched installment payment plans for customers and new incentive schemes including giving discounts to students on select devices. So they're just, they're doubling down. They're re- there's a recognition that, that you want to be in that market and you want to be in people's pockets and you want to get people committed to your brand. Mm-hmm. And that entry point matters. And if that first smartphone has a Samsung badge on it, even if you do sell more expensive products that you hope for that buyer to graduate to at a later date, 
you want to be a part of that process of that individual making their way towards that device. Mm -hmm. You don't want to try to acquire them at a, later on. And I feel like even Apple is recognizing this through some of their decisions around the cheaper price points and moving towards retail in India and moving towards online sales directly in India and moving towards avoiding tariffs in India as well. All the brands are recognizing you may miss this opportunity. If you can't get in a pocket soon, it might be too late. We've talked extensively here about the relationship between Google and Reliance and Geo that's coming up. They're working on a smartphone. You know it's going to be heavy subsidized because Google wants Android in your pocket. Mm -hmm. I think it's clear they're willing to do some pretty crazy things around price given we just talked about the Pixel 4a, 349. Mm -hmm. Now imagine what their Geo product, if it's subsidized by both companies because they're going to profit off the back of the wireless connection. What kind of price are we looking at here? Hundred bucks? I, I don't know. Maybe they actually even stated. I don't remember what the amount was, but they have some pretty lofty goals. So if you're one of these other brands, if you're a Samsung or you're an Apple, your time is limited. You got to make these moves right now. And it looks like Samsung is doing it. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it with the Made in India badge, which is, it's a very big deal right now. Well, mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, you know this. Yeah. You know these things. Virgin Galactic reveals its Mach 3 aircraft design. Look at that air travel. 60,000 feet, Will. There's a thing happening with the space travel companies where one of the things they're aiming to also nail is just Earth travel faster. Not necessarily going all the way to space, but just you go to 60,000 feet, you travel at Mach 3, and all of a sudden you're across the world in half the time. Yep. You see how that works, Will? Mm. And I don't know... Why this didn't happen sooner or why it's still not a thing that exists right now? Because obviously the biggest drawback with traveling across the world, it takes, well, it takes like 20 hours for me to go to Asia, let's say. Uh -huh. It's insane. I can't be doing this. No, no. 20 hours. I mean, you can make the cabin more comfortable. Yes. But all we need is speed. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you gave me a choice between speed and cabin comfort, I would take speed. I'd rather just be there sooner, no matter how nice the cabin is. Yeah. Cause then I'm off, then I'm off and I'm in the hotel and I'm having a shower and I'm at the buffet. You see, yeah. I'd rather be there no matter how nice your plane is. It's still not hotel level buffet going mm -hmm. on. So you had vehicles in the past, like the Concorde, which traveled faster, but they were kind of like fighter jets with passenger seats little rough around the edges but they did travel quickly but it was a little bit of turbulence and they got to nail this thing so virgin galactic's working on it i believe elon's working on it as well they're show showcasing their design there's still work to be done that's a good looking that's a cool looking jet yeah i agree i mean the first initial thought this i thought this wing here was like a guy vacuuming <laughs> wait a second what's Elon, going on here am i missing just, uh, this a quick glance, I thought there was like a guy. I'm trying to squint right now so I see what plane. you see. Okay, maybe. Like he has his helmet on. Very strange. I don't know. You know what, Will? <laughs> I'm going to let you get away with that one. Okay, yeah. Please I'm going to let do. you have that one. I was like, am I crazy? In addition Probably to space yes. tourism, Virgin Galactic has big plans for high-speed air travel. They're, they have intent to have a relationship with Rolls-Royce. To actually uh, work on this, you know, you know the luxury car brand. I know all about it. Whoa, easy. No, I'm just joking. Sheesh. They, I believe, used to make. They used to do uh, aviation stuff. Maybe they, they probably still do. They do a lot of those big 
jet engines, I think. So they could work together. This is obviously a different type of jet engine. This uh, will fly at an altitude, as I said, of 60,000 feet. It will carry somewhere between 9 and 19 passengers. So it's similar to the last high-speed experiment, the Concorde, which those things are all grounded now. You have a smaller cabin. These things are designed completely differently. They don't look like a jump. They don't look like a 787 or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so you know it's going to be expensive. You're not, they're not going to let you get across the world in half the time for free. Yeah. How much? They don't list the price, oh, but I'm going to say you're probably looking at something like a first-class ticket on another plane. So you could be looking at a $20,000 ticket or something like that mm-hmm. to go all the way across the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the amenities are going to look like in there, but how fast is Mach 3? Let's, fu- let's figure out how fast Mach 3 is. And then I want to know how fast I can get to Tokyo in, at Mach 3. 3,704 kilometers per hour. It's the speed of sound. That's 2,300 miles per hour. Now, Will, I'm going to hit you with the difficult with the difficult task of figuring out my trip to Japan, my trip to Tokyo at Mach 3. And I'm going to tell you if it's worth it or not. Toronto to Tokyo distance. And then we're going to do some math. It's live math. This is riveting stuff. It's 10,000 kilometers. And your number in kilometers was almost 4,000 per hour. So what are you thinking here? It's under three hours. Oh, yeah. It's under three hours to Tokyo. I mean, that's no joke. Well, I'm going to Tokyo. That's the biggest drawback. It's the biggest reason. It's the hardest part of it. Yeah. It's like 18 hours or something at the current speeds. Imagine traveling at that speed. I wonder what it feels like if you if it feels a little feels bit. Feels any G force? Hey, you're gonna feel some. Feel like there's a couple G's. Maybe not. Maybe you feel less. Who knows? The design of the thing cutting through the air, aerodynamics. And it seems smaller too. What do we which know? Which is good. And look where you are. You're way up above the clouds. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, the future is very exciting. Air travel, very exciting. Space travel, very exciting. The in-between hybrid travel, maybe even more exciting for guys like me. Mm. Once the world opens back up, I get it. Going to space is cool. You go up, you come back down. But Tokyo, in a couple hours, two and a half, three hours. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm, uh, you know. Some would say you'd be traveling to a different planet, to Japan. 